Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on the home of the Afropolitan. We continue now, and before we get into the next slot, I just want to remind you, we will put those email addresses um, up on our website, hopefully tomorrow, and then you can get involved if you want um, to uh, donate to the Solidarity Fund, an awesome initiative there. So this, you know, this show is all about money and how to manage it. And if we look at COVID-19, we've realized in the bigger scheme of things, how much money is needed to fight it and treat it. Um, You know, but for many too, there's been a forced realization, if I would call it that, of how we live in South Africa, two different economies, formal and informal, rich and poor, the stark contrast of have and have nots. Yes, you know, sadly, many people don't look beyond their own, but money is so instrumental. It can make us or break us. For so many that have shared their money journey on this show, we've heard how the lack of money or, you know, not having it um, have shaped them. Um, Dr. Bandile Masuku, a Gauteng MEC for Health, joins me this evening to share his money journey and, uh, you know, hopefully give us some of his money lessons. I know he's been talking about COVID-19 the whole night um, or the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, it's so important to find out about people's different journeys because somewhere in there you could find some sort of inspiration. Dr. Masuku, thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, thank you and good evening to your listeners and thanks for having us on the show. Doctor, take us through, you know, take us through some of your background. We, for, for those that don't know you, um, you've now become the Gauteng MEC. You became the MEC last year. Um, and uh, you're obviously very busy with uh, COVID-19 at this point. But take us back into your life and, and, and give us a bit of your background. Okay. I've, uh, uh, I've, I'm a trained uh, medical practitioner, graduated uh, from Medunza as um, as, a, as a medical practitioner in 2004, and then uh, started my internship at Charlotte McGregor in Johannesburg Hospital. And after my internship in Comserve, I did uh, my what we call specialization, Reg Time, uh, which uh, was also at Red now, uh, where I did my obstetrics and gynae. And after that, I worked at Para as a consultant and as a specialist later on. So basically, I've, you know, in terms of med- of us being medics, you know, we don't get much of medical literacy, of um, money literacy early on in our careers. And we normally find ourselves in a bit of a big problem uh, later on in life that mm. we have to recover from. Okay. So, uh, Dr. Take me through how your childhood experiences shaped your views on money. What was money like growing up before you started going to medical school? You know, I would I would say that uh, one of the key aspects that I've learned about money is that you have to work for it. You know, because my parents uh, put up a lot of uh, extra shifts and a lot of hard work uh, to put everything that we had on the table and to try to make life a bit easy and bearable. Uh, particularly growing up in Soweto. So one of the things that I've learned from them, you know, uh, is that you have to work hard for your money mm-hmm. and you should not uh, allow uh, people to, uh, you know, to become what you call it um, uh, a charity case, you know, so and nothing comes for free. So they, they taught us very early in our life as, as, as siblings and as brothers and sisters that uh, money is so important, but we have to work hard for it. Was money ever a struggle? 
Well, it was not really a you know a struggle, I must say, you know, but I could see the the effort and the sacrifices that they put in, mm. you know, actually both of them, just to make sure that we don't find ourselves, uh, you know, having to uh, to be on a wanting side and also be the best of it. So they they did try uh, to do all their level best to put everything that we had on the table and also bring back and try to put clothes on our back. Yeah, parents can teach us as much as they can in terms of not only money but everything. But you know, somewhere along the line, we sometimes make we still make silly mistakes. Did you make any mistakes? Wow, you 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 know, like like I said, that you know, at medical school, one thing that we are not taught is money literacy. Yeah. You know, to even run a basic practice or do anything else. So definitely, I went into trouble. You know, serious debt. Uh, and the debt that I incurred was during my internship in Comstaff. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just the excitement of being a doctor, having access to a credit card, and uh, it, it just blew a lot of money away. And later on, when now I was starting to specialize, starting to settle down, I realized that I was in a big debt, and I needed to work my way out of that debt. And it took me almost three years to come out of that debt, but when it did finally happen, it was a great relief. So good lessons there. You're obviously not touching it in a hurry. Yeah, no, no. That one, you, you need to be very clear that, you know, debt now must be something that has to come for something valuable and something big. Mm. Uh, and and it, 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 it shouldn't be something that is a liability, you know, like your car. So one of the things that I've learned again is that, you know, spending a lot of your money on cars, uh, might not be a good thing, but you can put money in terms of investment on property, which is something that uh, I'm currently uh, investing on and working on. You you speak about cars. I mean, is that something that you spend a lot of money on? As I mean, what 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 is the one luxury item that you like to spend money on? You know, currently it's all about property. You know, mm-hmm. and making my nest and with my family to be as comfortable as possible. And uh, and we have learned that uh, putting money on property also gives you some uh, element of dividend, you know. And we we have a bit of uh, tried out a bit of uh, working out with friends to save together and work together with friends. Also, it is also helping somehow to uh, to make use of what you have and to make it grow. You speak about the need for financial literacy, the fact that you, you know, you finished medical school, but you still didn't have the financial literacy needed, um, you know, to run a business. How important is that? I, you know, in terms of kids, I mean, do you teach your kids or are you ensuring that they get that kind of education today? Yes, I think that's one of the, of, of the first lessons that I've taught them, that uh, they should be able to manage their own cash and their own money. And I've been very uh, fortunate that those who are older, uh, my kids have been uh, not been spoiled, you know, uh, as, 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 as it is expected, you know, and they've been clear that they are able to save their money and use it wisely as they get it. Doctor, you're obviously working on the front lines now with, you know, with COVID-19 and, you know, when I was introducing you, I was talking about the the two different economies that we have in this country and the have and the have nots and the fact that we have many, many, many poor people in this country. I mean, how 
what is that doing, um, especially in terms of our efforts in this fight against this virus? Um, how is that hampering our fight? You know, the, 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 the measures that we have put in that were announced by the president, they do have a, you, you can also see how the, the enforcement happens because in areas where people are affluent, people can buy groceries, people can stay in their houses with mm. a bigger, uh, they've got space, they've got yards, you know, you could, you know, you could realize that those are things that uh, could play a role. And when you look at people in the township and densely populated areas like uh, Alexander, and we are saying to them they must uh, stay home, uh, they must uh, have social distance, and also they must come out of their houses only to buy essentials. And we know that in those areas, in the impoverished areas, they buy their essentials every day. So they have to go out for to buy things for breakfast, go out to buy things for lunch, and go out mm. to buy things for supper. So there is a great disparity uh, that we have seen, even in terms of enforcement. In our townships, there's greater movement because of that uh, particular thing. So those of us who are politicians, uh, I think it's important for people to, in a real sense, before you decide, you must just do a, a door-to-door and go around our densely populated areas. You will realize the amount of need and the amount of, of desperation you know, that is out there. I know the fight right now is COVID-19, but once we come out of this, um, you know, we don't know when that is. What do you think we should be changing from government side? How should we be doing things differently? You know, we heard, you know, just a short while ago on the show that we're never going to be the same again. Um, Things will definitely change once this virus has come and gone. Um, But what should we be changing um, from a government perspective in order to correct the, these imbalances? Yeah, I think the most important aspect, you know, which I've, I've looked at it as, a, as an opportunity when you look at the pandemic, is just for us to be able to do things differently. And there are all the measures that we put in, in terms of interventions, must not be temporary measures. They must be almost permanent solutions. So when you talk about the uh, congesting areas which are highly populated, densely populated, it means that we must give them permanent solutions. You know, when we deal with homelessness, it must not be for temporary. Mm. It must be something that it could be sustainable going forward. And when it comes to our the department that I'm leading, you know, uh, I think my preoccupation is to make sure that we increase the capacity of our existing facilities, you know. So instead of us building a lot of temporary structures which we are going to uh, pull it down after the pandemic. It's better that we put up structures in our facilities, which post the pandemic will give us more capacity. And, and so we need to make uh, this uh, pandemic a good opportunity to put up things that ordinarily could have taken us over five years to 10 years to implement and do them in the short space of time and also do them wisely, you know, because uh, there are a number, number of things like your alternative building technology that is out there, uh, which is durable and cheaper to do, mm. more climate-friendly, uh, you know, climate-friendly. So those are things that we need to consider. So for me, that we need to put permanent solutions to this uh, intervention. 
Dr. Masuku, Gauteng has the largest amount of uh, COVID-19 infections. Um, and we keep hearing about, we keep hearing these warnings that, you know, there is going to be this massive onslaught, a whole lot more in terms of infections. We're not seeing the true number. It's going to hit us like a wave. Um, are we ready for that in Gauteng specifically? You know, the, the thing about readiness, uh, it also relates to how we flatten the curve. Mm. You know, and the, the whole effort that we've put in flattening the curve means that we want to make sure that the demand uh, of healthcare demands are actually uh, equal to what uh, we, we we have as a as a as a system. And currently, you know that half, or if not all, of the patients that we have had were infected uh, have not been in on any of our facilities, so they've never been admitted. So we have not had to admit them. So we are hoping that with all the measures that we have put in fetching the curve, that particular aspect will continue whilst we build up our capacity. So that capacity is there currently. It's slowly coming up very nicely. Uh, like I said in the last the question that you asked me, that we are building the capacity in mm-hmm. China to make sure that we have enough in our in our system, in our public health care system, to do even beyond the pandemic. So we are building the capacity. We are quite confident that we'll be able to deal with it. I've got a question coming through. I know we were talking uh, we were talking about your money journey and you sharing your money lessons and we got sidetracked talking about COVID-19, but it is rather topical at this point. Um, the question is, what did you do with your first paycheck? My first paycheck? Um, I think when was, was the first paycheck? It was 2005, Jan. I remember it quite well. 2000? <laughs> I was 2005, January. Okay. Because I was working at Chris at uh, Charlotte Market at Magazine in time. I think we went out with a group of uh, our friends who were colleagues at the time. And uh, I must say that uh, the next day we didn't have anything to <laughs> actually to do. The lucky thing is that we were staying in the hospital. So we're not paying a lot of rent. Uh, you know, so we're driving cars that we had from medical school. So we're not paying for cars, but we blew it on, on fun which is uh, one of the lessons that I'll have to continuously teach uh, my juniors, my <laughs> kids, to make sure that they take care of their... Uh, their mm. If I started then to save money, I would be far by now. Wait, wait, but so you used up the entire paycheck in one night? It was, it was about fine. And uh, it's something that when you look back, it was we... You know, it was a group thing, you know, but mm-hmm. after a two, three months, I think around March, we realized that that can't be sustainable. Mm-hmm. So we started to change our way. How old were you then and how much was the paycheck? I think it was around 10000 uh, Wow, 20, that's a substantial amount of money <laughs> to be yeah, just spending. a lot of money, you know, like imagine moving from a budget that you used to get when you're capacity of a thousand rand a month and now... Uh, all of a sudden you've got the 10,000 yeah. uh, in your pocket, in your check account, and also with credit above that. Right? Because we also had, uh, banks had this thing of giving us credit cards even before we mm. also got the first paycheck. You know, so it was, it's one of those lessons, and I think it's an experience that uh, when you look back, you regret, uh, but it was a hard lesson that uh, you have to share with all the others that come after you.
It's almost like a rite of passage. Everybody has got to go through that. But I think if you've become a repeat offender and you're spending every paycheck like that, then it's a problem, right? Yeah, then it becomes a problem because, you know, we have to learn from our errors. We have to learn from others, you know. But sometimes other people want to learn hard, you know, in the hard way. And they want to get to experience it. So even if you advise them and give them advice, they still repeat the same mistakes that you had. But it's good that some people learn better when they experience, experience the situation themselves. What is your um, what is your message to South Africans uh, now that we're in lockdown? Money is so tight. Um, we don't know when it's all going to be over. When we'll go to normal? When when we'll go back to normal? Whether we'll ever go back to normal? I think it's never going to be the same. But what would be your message to South Africans this evening? Yeah, I think basically we must just spend our money wise. We must spend where it matters most, and I know. In most instances, it means that we must spend on our money on what uh, is our necessity, you know. Uh, it might be difficult for many of our families to actually uh, uh, save money, but for those who can, they must also plan around uh, in terms of saving and making sure that they save uh, actually well, uh, because you never know uh, what mm. uh, the future would hold. But I think the issue that let's spend it wisely, let's spend it where it pays the need, and let's make sure that we don't uh, use money where we don't really need it. Dr. Bandile Masuku, thank you so much for giving us your time this evening and good luck on the front lines. Well, that was uh, Dr. Bandile Masuku um, sharing his money lessons with us and also giving us a bit of an update as to what's happening with COVID-19, especially in Gauteng. We have the highest number of infections right here in this province. Um, but, uh, you know, the doctor says that they are prepared. They are increasing capacity every day and uh, they are prepared for whatever is about to come their way, if that ever comes our way. Thank you so much for joining me on My Money and Me this evening. I'll be back again next Tuesday. Big Black is up next. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.